0: This podcast was brought to you by withaim.co. Welcome back to another gripping episode of Vanishing Shadows. In our latest episode, Lee navigates the complexities of her new reality with a mix of hope and apprehension. Buoyed by the potential of romance with Jesse, she finds a rare moment of optimism amidst her ongoing struggles. But the shadows of her past and the uncertain future loom large. As Lee delves deeper into Hazel's troubled life, and grapples with her own haunting memories, the story takes us on a journey of discovery, resilience, and the quest for a second chance. In sociological terms, they call it the fundamental attribution error. Basically, it means that when people see someone in a bad situation, they tend to believe that individual brought it on themselves. What did I think of the homeless before I became one of them? Not much is the short answer. This is the story of Lee Crawford and how a series of bad choices flipped her life upside down. But what if there's an escape? One night, sleeping in her car with an ocean view, a desperate cry shattered the silence. I'm sorry. And then I hear a splash. What the hell is this woman doing? It's just April. The Pacific will be frigid. If I hadn't heard her cries, this stranger would have drowned, as she clearly intended. You should have left me. I don't want to be here. You're listening to Vanishing Shadows. This is Episode 6, Facade and Reality. In the morning, Hazel is there, tapping gently at my window. It takes me a few moments to gather my bearings, to focus my thoughts through the dull throb between my eyebrows the furry feeling in my mouth. The near-empty whiskey bottle sits in the console next to me. Last night, it had been almost half full. After I left Jesse, self-pity had consumed me. My time with him had felt so normal, so promising. But as I sat alone in my car, the tattered sleeping bag pulled up to my chin. My optimism had abandoned me. I felt hopeless and ashamed. How could I build a relationship with a man who had no idea who I really was? The horrible secrets I was keeping. If I told him, he'd be disgusted. He'd end our relationship before it even began. If I hid it, and he found out later, it would be even worse. Riding my seat, I open the door and climb out of the car. My body aches, as it does every morning. And my bladder is full to bursting. I am glad to see Hazel, but this morning her squeaky clean presence serves only to highlight my misery. She smiles at me, seemingly oblivious to my hungover state. I brought homemade granola and bananas, she says brightly, indicating the small pack on her back. And coffee. Thanks, I mutter, heading for the bushes. I have to pee. I'm too blurry to feel embarrassed. When I emerge, Hazel has moved to the beach, to our usual driftwood log. I stumble across the smooth rocks toward her. She is pouring steaming coffee from a thermos into the plastic lid. I sit beside her and gratefully accept the cup, sipping the strong hot liquid. With eyes closed, I feel the ocean breeze on my face, hear the gulls squawking overhead. And I begin to feel normal again. She turns to face me. I found someone to make us fake IDs. How? Hazel's life seems to revolve around yoga and society lunches. Where did she meet a person with that capacity? Online, she says. Reddit. I connected with this guy and he helped me. I had to go on the dark web. She sounds thrilled, even proud. We have to send passport quality photos. It's not cheap, but they'll be totally legit. I don't have much money, I say, thinking of the stash in my trunk that never seems to grow. It's fine, she says, handing me a small plastic bag filled with cinnamon scented oats, nuts, and seeds. I sold some jewelry. By the time Benjamin notices, I'll be long gone. I'm sorry you had to do that. I was glad to get rid of it, she says, venom in her voice. They were makeup gifts. All of them. After Benjamin took things too far. After he hurt me. There was always some shiny expensive trinket. I'll pay you back, I say, around a mouthful of sweet granola. It will take time, but I will not welch on any more debts. She waves her hand dismissively. You saved my life, Lee. You're still saving my life. It's the least I can do. I smile, embarrassed by the compliment but also relieved. I need to save every penny. Have you ever been to Panama? It comes out of left field. No. Why? Benjamin will expect me to go to Europe. France, probably, because I speak a little French. Or Italy. Somewhere he's taken me before. He won't look for me in Central America. I swallow the cereal now a tasteless paste in my mouth. Why Panama? I've heard that if you have cash, you can build a life there. No questions asked. Sounds like a good place to disappear. I think so too. My voice is hoarse. When will you go? The passport will take a couple of weeks, and then I need to plan my escape. It's not going to be easy with the security guard at our front gate. And the cameras. Right. My throat hurts now, raw with emotion. I'll miss you, I mutter. I'll miss you too. Her smile is sad. I wish you could come with me. She's being flip, of course. We barely know each other. And my presence would surely complicate her getaway. And then there's Jesse. Our future may be uncertain but I'm not ready to give up on it yet. I wish, I say with a chuckle. I could use some sunshine. We move on to the logistics of obtaining our new identities. Hazel tells me about a nearby drugstore where I can get my photo taken. I'm to deliver it to her in the morning. She'll take care of the rest. I don't ask her how she'll do it when she's under constant surveillance. She's clearly adept at fooling Benjamin. I've got to get back. Hazel stands. Stay. Finish the coffee. I'll pick up the thermos tomorrow. I thank her. Watch her slim form skip across the rocks to the mouth of the trail. She looks lighter than I've ever seen her before. More carefree. I realize she's excited for her future. Anticipating a life of freedom and opportunity. I hope her emancipation will not look like mine. She's only gone a few steps when she turns back. What's going on with you and that guy? Jesse? This is the first time she's asked about him. I'd assumed she'd forgotten. But I can't tell her how he kissed me last night. Lit me up inside. How I wanted more. I can't tell her that he likes me. Really likes me. And maybe if I can keep my secrets, we could have something. Not while Hazel is still under the control of a violent man. It would be cruel. We went for ramen last night, I say casually. He's nice, but we're just friends. That's probably for the best. I mean, until you're back on your feet. Her smile is bright, optimistic. Which will be soon. Yep. She turns and hurries back to her master. We'll be back to Daily Bedtime Tales right after this message. What if you could share your story with the world? What if you could inspire others with your passion, your message, or your vision? What if you had a team to help you craft the perfect story for your business or brand? Well, you can. And we at WithAIM are here to make it happen. WithAIM is more than just a podcast production company. We are your storytellers, your voice, and your partner in creating a podcast that will captivate your audience, showcase your brand's personality, and build a lasting relationship with your customers. So don't let your story go untold. Start your podcast today. Visit withaim.co slash podcast to learn more. That's withaim.co forward slash podcast. With AIM, be the voice of your brand. The pawn shop is at the edge of Pioneer Square, a historic neighborhood of cobbled streets, Turn of the century lampposts and trendy bars, restaurants, and boutiques. This block has none of the charm and all of the seediness of the district. A group of vagrants stand smoking on the corner, their clothes filthy, their energy hostile. I smell them as I pass body odor, stale nicotine, sour booze. I was unable to shower this morning. I'm wearing slept in jeans and a hoodie fraying at the wrists. My appearance is subpar, but I am not one of them. I have not fallen that far. An electronic sensor dings as I enter the cluttered shop. It specializes in rare coins, watches, and jewelry. I'd spent the morning at an internet cafe, researching pawn shops that might appreciate the value of the Netske. This one, while out of my way, seems the most likely. There is a man behind a plexiglass shield with a shiny bald pate and a small pair of glasses perched on his nose. He doesn't look up as I approach, busy with paperwork. I slide the white bone snake through the small opening. How much can I get for this? He holds it with his fingertips, peering through the glasses. Anetsuke, he says, more to himself than to me. Turning it over, he inspects the signature on the bottom. I'll give you 200 bucks for it. He meets my eyes for the first time. But honestly, if you sell it to a collector, you could get more. How much more? I'm no expert, but 500. Maybe a 1,000. A thousand dollars could change my life. It's enough for a deposit on a small apartment. With the fake ID Hazel is getting for me, I'll be able to fill out a lease application. And I'll be able to get a better job. A legitimate job. For the first time since I left New York, I'll be able to live like a normal person. A new person. How do I find a collector? eBay. It's not easy with no computer and only a dumb phone. But I can go back to the internet cafe. Thank you, I say sincerely. This man could have bought it and resold it himself. I appreciate his honesty. I slip the smooth figurine back into my pocket. My car is in a concrete parking garage deep in the touristy district. It costs a small fortune to park there, but I couldn't find any street parking. Despite the potential upturn in my financial prospects, I am conscious of the time. I hurry to the garage, not wanting to pay for an extra minute. A light rain is falling so I pull the hood of my jacket over my head, grateful for the cover and the concealment. I'm passing by a row of high-end restaurants and stylish boutiques that serve to highlight my bedraggled appearance. The before me would have blended right in, completely at home. But now I don't belong. I slide by the chic patrons. A bum. A vagrant. Invisible. I am exhausted. I am always exhausted, but I feel a sense of accomplishment. My time at the Internet Cafe had been productive. In addition to finding the pawn shop, I had done some personal research, because, as Hazel suggested, it is only prudent to Google the guy one is seeing. Jesse's last name, I'd learned over ramen, is the unfortunately common Thomas. Over 20 Jesse Thomases had appeared in my search results, including a successful athlete and a character actor. But I had found my Jesse eventually. His personal trainer profile on a gym's website. His online presence was minimal, but it was enough. He was exactly who he said he was. The other search I'd done had yielded more relevant results. Hazel's husband, Benjamin Laval, was a partner in a high-profile law firm. His portrait on their Our People page was stern, but handsome. He was younger than I'd expected, or maybe he'd had work done. His face was lightly lined, dark hair silver around the temples. He was undeniably good-looking, but I saw the hard glint in his gray eyes, the capacity for cruelty. My friend claimed this man treated her like a slave, and I believed her. There was never any doubt, only curiosity. This is what a sadist looks like. Benjamin Laval had defended a number of high-profile criminals. He was interviewed on numerous news sites, held various press conferences. I muted his voice and watched him speak, controlling the conversation, dominating the room. I thought about him controlling and dominating Hazel. As if conjured, she materializes before me. Hazel is there, wearing a blush-colored dress topped with a cropped leather jacket. Her hair is down, dark and lustrous, her face flawlessly made up. She's got a large leather tote over her shoulder, and she's fumbling to open an umbrella in the spring drizzle. Hazel looks cool, beautiful, and happy. My feet stop moving, and I feel a strong urge to turn away. Hazel has another life. Of course, she does. She told me that Benjamin allows her to go out for lunch, to go shopping. To keep up appearances. Seeing her out of context is jarring. That's all it is. I press forward, approach her. Hi, Hazel. Her pretty face pales. Her mouth opens, but no words come. The glass door behind her opens. It's an oyster bar. And two women emerge. They're with Hazel. I know it instantly. They are three of a kind sleek, Shiny and expensive. Hazel's eyes dart to them and then back to me. As they sidle up beside her, I cock her tear. Can we help you? One of the women says. She is a little older, small and blonde and hard. Condescension drips off her, disdain, even disgust. It's okay, Hazel says quickly, and then to me. I'm sorry, I almost didn't recognize you. Her features soften. How are you doing? She's talking to me like I'm a small child. Or perhaps a lost dog. My response is guarded. I'm fine. Good. That's good. Her smile is gentle. Are you staying at a shelter in the area? I see what she's doing now. Being kind to the homeless woman. Noblesse oblige. No, I was at a pawn shop. I realize too late that I've played right into her narrative. As the other women open their umbrellas, Hazel digs in her giant purse. She extracts a bill and holds it out to me. A 50. Why don't you get some lunch? On me. My face burns with humiliation and anger. How dare she? I saved her goddamn life. I've listened to all her ugly secrets, helped her plot her escape, And now she is treating me like a beggar, a nuisance. Tears sting my eyes. I snatch the bill from her, because 50 bucks is 50 bucks, and push past the well-dressed gaggle. As I hurry along the sidewalk, the haughty blonde's words follow me. You're welcome. I don't go back to the beach that night, or the night after. I sleep in the corner of a mall parking lot until a security guard shoes me away. And on a quiet suburban street east of the city. My hurt and anger simmer. Hazel conned me into thinking we were friends, confidants. And then she treated me with such condescension, with such fucking pity. It was uncaring at best, cruel at worst. Because over the past few weeks, I have grown to need her. When Jesse walks into the diner that evening, I almost don't recognize him. He is unshaven, wearing a ball cap and sunglasses. The look works for him, though, and his presence lifts my spirits. In a normal relationship, we would text each other or talk on the phone between dates. But my circumstances are not normal. And maybe his aren't either. As long as Jesse keeps showing up, I am pleased. He slides onto a stool at the bar and removes his glasses. God, he's sexy. Want to grab a bite after your shift? Or drink? I feel a glimmer of my past boldness. Let's go to your place. Watch a movie or whatever. In the beat before he replies, my breath catches. If Jesse turns me down, tells me I'm moving too fast, or that he's not actually into me, I swear I will burst into flames. But he smiles, thank God, revealing that dimple in his cheek. Sounds good. I follow him in my car. It would be too forward to ride with him, too presumptuous. I fully plan on spending the night with him, but some old-fashioned sense of decorum has me playing coy. Or maybe it's just fear of rejection. I'm still unsure of his feelings for me, and I'm still brittle from Hazel's dismissive treatment. The apartment is just as I remember it, tidy but sparse. We settle on the dark gray sofa with two beers and the remote. What should we watch? He has to know the movie was a ploy to get here. A euphemism for what I really want to do. I cock an eyebrow and shrug. I don't care. His smile is slow but knowing. He sets the remote on the coffee table and turns toward me. His arm is on the back of the sofa. His knee raised so it rests against my thigh. I swallow a mouthful of beer. Liquid courage. How's your friend doing? The one with the abusive husband? I hadn't planned to go there tonight, but I find I'm eager to talk about it. We had a bit of a falling out, actually. How come? I can't tell him that Hazel is ashamed to know me, that she offered me money like a panhandler. She acts a lot differently around her other friends, I say. She treats me badly. Do her other friends know about the abuse? I don't know. I doubt it. My mom got really good at keeping up appearances. His fingers traveled to my shoulder, touched the ends of my hair. My sister and I knew what went on behind closed doors, but she'd act like everything was perfect with her friends. It drove me crazy. But it was a survival mechanism. His words resonate hazel was playing a part with those other women they don't know what i know why didn't i think of that before i'm sorry you got hurt though i'm fine i say because suddenly i am jesse's fingers are playing with my hair his knee is pressed against my leg and i've had just enough beer to make the first move i lean in and kiss him it is slow and soft at first but quickly gathers force. My hands rove over his strong chest, his muscular arms, the stubble on his jaw. As it was with our first kiss, my desire for him is powerful. It's sexual, but also physical. It's a need to touch him, to be close to him, to be connected. I've been drowning in loneliness and Jesse is oxygen. And then he pulls away. Lee, stop. For a moment, I am left panting and confused. And then the humiliation descends. He doesn't want me. I should have known. He is out of my league now because I am worthless, the lowest of the low. I'm sorry, I say, my voice hoarse. I'll go. He grabs my hand as I try to get up and pulls me back to the couch. Don't, he says. I just want to make sure that you're okay with this. Things are moving so fast between us. I stifle a snort. I could tell Jesse that I'm a sex-positive woman, comfortable with my body, my desires, my sexual agency. I could tell him that this is technically our third date, so far from moving so fast, in my opinion. In most opinions. I could tell him about my years as a restaurateur. When casual hookups were all I had the time and energy for. When sexual gratification came quick and dirty, with bartenders and waiters and occasionally customers. But I don't. I'm okay with this, I say, pushing him back on the sofa and straddling his lap. I've never been more okay with anything in my life. Thank you for tuning in to this part of the story. Don't forget to follow Daily Bedtime Tales so you won't miss out on what happens next in this compelling narrative.